Morning, everyone. Let's, uh, let's pray together. Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of all our hearts be acceptable in your sight. O oh Lord, my God, my rock and my redeemer. Amen. Amen. Question for you, Christchurch. Um, if you could ask God for anything, what would you ask him to do for you? can see brains ticking away a little bit, trying to think, oh, what would I, what would I ask? Okay, um, all right, start the list. What, what about if I rephrase the question a little bit? Um, if you could ask God for a miracle, what would the miracle be that you would ask for? Any thoughts? People heckled at the 9.30. That doesn't happen very often. What? Okay. Great. More seats filled. Any advances on more seats filled? World peace. World peace. Something else? A world that knows Jesus. All right, well, let's stop and pray for some of that now. Lord Jesus, um, we pray that more people would come to know you, um, that would know the joy of worshipping with a family of believers. Uh, We pray that your peace would go out into the world and that we would see a world um, that comes to know you um, from nation to nation to nation. Um, Help us to seek you in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, anything else? No? Okay. I first heard this question um, explained and asked by a chap called Mark Marks. Um, and Mark Marks was using, explaining this question. Um, he calls it the miracle question, which um, I should have really pronounced it in my mommy's accent um, because he's from Causeway Coast Vineyard Church in Northern Ireland. Um, but but he, he asked this question um, to people that don't know God already. Okay? He, he starts up conversations with people out in the general public and has a chat with them. And if it feels right, he'll put the question to them. Um, if God could do anything for you, what would you have him do for you? If, if God could give you any sort of miracle, what would you ask him for? Um, and it's amazing the stories he tells, having asked people that question. It's amazing the things that people say, the stories of lives transformed, of people coming to know Jesus, of people knowing physical healing, emotional healing, all sorts of stuff. And it's, it's great. And when I first heard him talk about it, it really inspired me. And so I decided that I would, I would join him and some of his team um, on the streets of Stafford City Centre um, asking this question to people. We'd, we'd kind of go around and we'd make friends with people, um, random members of the public, and if it felt right, we'd ask them the miracle question. And um, it, was, it was great. I was really excited. You know, I was really pumped. I was like, this, is, this sounds like what it's like to live life in the spirit. Really looking forward to this. Um, I've, I've, you know, I've, I've read all the books that Rob recommended last week and, and all that kind of stuff. Um, and I was, I was pumped. I got into the town centre um, and I immediately bolted for a coffee shop and spent two hours in that coffee shop, quivering in fear. I was like, I, I can't do it. I can't go out. I don't want to. I, I don't know what's going to happen. I just don't, I don't, I, it's like, what's wrong with me? Do I not believe enough? Um, I, I, I just couldn't bring myself to go out and talk to anyone. 
And, and I'm, I'm paid nine to five, five days a week, to talk to kids about Jesus in schools, most of whom don't know him. And yet I was there. Like, I just can't do this. Eventually, after a couple of hours, I, uh, I, I kind of kicked myself a bit and I got up and I, I went out um, and I saw some people doing healing on the streets and I was like, wow, really in, in awe of them, great. Um, I, that's how I should be feeling right now. Um, but I was like, no, I know what I'll do. I will go into a shop. Because if I buy something, then I'll have to talk to someone. So I, I went into a shop and I picked up a bottle of water. And I was like, I'd like this bottle of water, please. Oh, okay, that's a, that's a pound. A great, a great, a great. There you go. Thanks. Have a nice day. <laughs> I'd completely bottled it, excuse the pun. Um, but, but that was, I, I didn't plan that pun, but there we go. Um, like, it, it just. I don't know what was coming to me. I was really starting to feel quite disappointed in myself. Um, and so I, I went out and I walked up and down with my, my newly found bottle of water. Um, and I saw a guy begging on the street. And I thought, great, I've spoken to people begging on the street before. I can, I can do this. I can have this conversation. I went and sat down with this guy, you know, practiced my listening skills and everything. And it was going well. Um, but I just couldn't bring myself to pop the miracle question in there. And I was like, oh, okay. And then after a while, he said, you see that lady over there? She's one of those Jesus people. Um, She came and talked to me for half an hour and asked me all sorts of questions about miracles. And I just, oh, I just wanted her to go away. I was like, oh, great. (laughs) I thought this was going to be the conversation. This was going to be my moment. But no. Um, you know, we talked about it for a little bit and hopefully we left off in a better place than we started, um, I think, hope, yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, I walked away still pretty disappointed. In the end, uh, I joined up with a friend who was another youth worker and we found some young people and got an opportunity to pray with them and one of them wanted to see his grandma heal from cancer um, and so we prayed, asked him how it felt praying, he said it was like he felt all of a sudden this strange sense of peace about the whole thing as we were praying, we were like great, we kind of think that that's like God because we've had that before um, and so we we, we asked, you know, is there, is there anything else? What would it perhaps be the, the biggest miracle God could ever do for you? And they were like, oh, I don't know, really. What do you think? Um, and so we said, well, we explained the gospel to them and, and Jesus dying for them and um, coming back to life and this idea of a life that they could perhaps live instead. And, and they, 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 you know, we prayed for them and sent them in the direction of a local youth ministry. And it was, it was great. But it took me all day of being an absolute pansy to not get anywhere near to that moment until the very end. My dream of living this life in the spirit for an afternoon um, was, I just felt like I'd failed really. Um, but the thing that I came away feeling, and I don't know whether, whether you know, if you've experienced a miracle in your life before, um, often God will teach us something through that. God will communicate something to us about him or about our place with regard to him. Um, and the thing that I, I really took away um, was that I needed to seek him more. That I needed to seek him more, I needed to know him more, trust him more, walk with him closer. And I I came back to a verse, um, which is one of those cliche verses almost. You hear it so often, I've heard it quoted and misquoted, I've heard umpteen sermons on it. Um, But it's the the passage that that, um, we we had read to us this morning. Um, It's ask, seek and knock. The ask, seek and knock verse. 
Um, and you may have heard this preached about quite a bit. Um, and my thought on it is that the way we understand this verse depends on how we understand God in the first place. How we understand him, how we understand his will, how we understand his, his nature and his character. And we gain that understanding from um, understanding his word as revealed to us through the Holy Spirit from scripture. What I'd like you to do this morning, it's a little bit of an exercise. I'd like you to just for a moment forget everything that you may have already known about this verse, this passage in the Bible. Okay? Perhaps even forget that it's in the Bible. It still is in the Bible. We're not being heretical. It, just forget that it is for a second. Um, and and just, just imagine the person that you know in the world who loves you more than anyone else. Okay? The person that loves you most. Imagine they're saying these words to you. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. I don't know about you, but I know for sure that, that God wouldn't not grant, that, that, sorry, that person wouldn't not grant me something that I'm asking for, that they have, that they know is the best thing for me, and they're able to provide. I know that that person wouldn't hide from me if I was seeking them in my um, most hour of most need. Um, that person wouldn't lock me out in the cold and dark if I was knocking to come in. And I think that's kind of what Jesus tries to get out when he carries on. He says, if you, then though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? Whoever you pictured in that little exercise, God loves you even more. God loves you so much more. And it's when we recognise the truth of God's character as the one who loves us more than anyone else, the one who is sovereign, the one who knows what's best for us, the one who we can tap into the will of and try to aim to understand more of who he is. It's when we understand how much of, how much of our Father in heaven um, wants to give good gifts to those who ask him. That's when we understand this passage. For some reason, it doesn't always feel like that. It doesn't always feel like um, we ask and we receive, we, we seek and we find, we knock and the door is open. Sometimes it doesn't seem quite as, perhaps as easy as that. Um, and it's, it's almost like, um, it's a little bit more like, where's Wally? Um, it's like we've dressed God up in a, a red and white stripy top with a bobble hat and hid him in a crowd of people. If you don't know what Where's Wally is, um, I just happened to notice that Jamie Rothwell was reading Where's Wally this morning on the seat behind me. There we go. Um, and, but the idea that we kind of let our faith get overcrowded by the things of life. We let our faith get overcrowded by the ups and the downs, the trials and temptations, the crises, the, even the mundane, just distractions, things that stop us and get in the way. It's as if we've dressed God up like where's Wally and hid him in a crowd. But God isn't the Wally in this equation. 
We are. (laughs) If God loves us so much um, as his adopted sons and daughters, that he gave his one and only son um, to die in our place, if he is willing to go to such lengths for us in order to have that loving relationship with us that we might seek and find the good gifts that he has for us through his Holy Spirit Um, that we uh, then why do we get so muddled up getting the why would we let all this stuff get in the way of our hunger and our thirst for him you see seeking God isn't, isn't, seeking doesn't just mean to, um, to the, the, the act of finding something. Seeking isn't just about something landing on your lap. Seeking means the attempt to find. When you, well, you've played hide and seek, or you, you've done your where's wally, you, you, you seek until you find. It's, it's an attempt. It takes some effort on our part. We need to really tap into God through prayer in order to seek what he has for us. I wonder what your recent attempts to seek God have looked like. Perhaps that the answer to that question might be something that you let you carry and you let inform how you uh, you you adapt to this preaching series as we go along. Um, But for me, I know I've been quite challenged about how little I, um, I I've been seeking God sometimes. And particularly a few weeks ago, um, I had quite a dramatic experience of this. Um, I was, uh, Hetty and I were, were asked to go and be a part of the, um, leading the 11 to 13s um, ministry at a, a, a big Christian UK conference um, that wasn't new wine. Um, it was older than that. And so obviously, because it's not new wine, I, I went thinking that it, it wouldn't be all that. Um, and I thought, you know, this is going to be a bit dry. Um, I'm not sure what to expect. We're, we'll just, you know, we'll rock up. We'll prepare some talks. We'll bring a band, a worship band. We'll think of some games. And essentially, we'll babysit the kids all week whilst the, the adults are really getting fed. Um, and, and that's how we went. That was our expectation. It really, really wasn't what it turned out to be, though. Because we got there, and before we started, we, we, we gathered to pray, just like we do at the start of the service here, and we prayed that the Holy Spirit would be present in the worship, and we prayed that we would, we would sense God speaking to us through it all, that we would sense some sort of manifestation of God's Holy Spirit there with us. And um, to our surprise, we actually started to see that prayer getting answered. Um, and, and it was really quite amazing. So we, we, were, we were in the worship and we started to sense like God was putting certain things in our hearts to pray for. Um, and so we would, we would say to the young people, you know, I think we're meant to pray for this for you, like um, anxiety stuff or um, broken families was one or physical healing, things like that. And the young people would respond in a way that I'd, I'd never really seen young people their age respond and so we, we started to sense that God was up to something. And so we were like, well, we, we probably need to uh, do, have a bit more of this, don't we? So we started praying even more and seeking God more and more every day. And, and we, got to this, we got to this point where it was quite, it was a, a really strange week. There was a point where we had to evacuate our venue because of a gas explosion and ended up worshipping in a barn with no PA system uh, and, and stuff like that. Um, but it, it, was, it was, yeah, it was great. By the end of the week, I was down to lead a five-minute testimony slot with the young people. Um, and I was thinking, you know, and there'll be a young person there who's probably prayed for his dog to get better or something like that. And, um, you know, that'll, that'll be it. We'll get him up to share something. It'll be, it'll be all very lovely and then we'll sing some nice songs. 
Um, what happened, though, we opened up the prayer testimony time, and hands just went up all over the room. You had 300 young people there, and hands were just going up everywhere you could see. And so we started passing around this roaming microphone and testimony after testimony of what God had been doing through his Holy Spirit in the lives of these young people responding to him throughout that week. People sharing like family breakthrough, um, people sharing physical healings. People, there was a girl who shared how she really struggles with social anxiety disorder. And the idea of being in a room with that many people um, really, really freaked her out. She never thought in a million years she would be able to embrace that sort of experience. But yet whenever she arrived at the venue, every time, it's like every ounce of anxiety just lifted off her as she walked into the room. And yet, and she'd been able to be a part of the worship and the teaching every single session. And God had really done this huge work in her life. There was another lad. Um, I'll call him Jimmy. Um, he, he, Jimmy got quite pally with me during the week. Um, and Jimmy, on his way into the venue that night, um, had said, Tabs, Tabs, I'm wearing odd socks. I was like, oh, good, great. Um, so am I, because I'm disorganized. Um, and I thought nothing more of it, and Jimmy kind of, you know, like ran into the venue, a bit hyperactive like he was. Um, but then in the prayer testimony time, Jimmy was one of the last people to put his hand up. And he said, I, I really struggle with severe OCD, obsessive compulsive disorder. And um, this week, I really feel like God's been helping me in this amazing way, all the way through. And tonight... I've been able, for the first time in my life, to do something that I never thought I'd be able to do. And that is to wear odd socks. And he rolled up his his trousers, showed everyone his odd socks, proper proud of himself, um, but obviously giving God the glory. Um, And and we would, honestly, it was one of, probably one of the highlights of my, of any youth ministry I've ever done, um, was seeing that lad's face telling us about that. It was truly amazing. The thing that I learned through that whole week, through that experience, was that God does far beyond, immeasurably more, than we can ever ask or imagine. And that I just had completely underestimated what God was able to do. And the week taught me, day by day, to seek him more. And it reminded me of this verse, Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20 and 21. Um, now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. Thank you. Um, and this, this little chunk of Ephesians, um, I, I love and Ephesians um, is a letter that Paul wrote, um, and it, I, I think it doesn't actually say in the letter um, Ephesus as the, as the church. They just happened to find the letter there. And so some people have thought maybe it was a circular that he sent around to a lot of people. Whatever you think about that, when I read it, I know that that applies to us today. Because it says, throughout all generations, forever and ever. So for us... We know a God who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask, all we imagine, according to his power that is at work in us. Right? Yeah, good. Okay. Um, and for me, it, 
that whole experience just taught me I need to hunger for God more. I need to seek him more. And so I went away from the week thinking, you know, every day I'm going to pray. I'm going to ask God to help me to expect the unexpected, to, to really believe in him for, for something more of, of what I'd been experiencing. And um, it was that first week back in, in school um, that I was, I was in one of our lunchtime drop-ins and I got chatting to a boy who I'd, I think he'd, I'd done some assemblies for him in primary school, but otherwise I'd never talked to him before. Um, and he got chatting to me about music and things and then someone else joined the conversation and we talked a bit about RE um, and then he, he just sort of turned to me and said, you know, I've, I used to never really like RE. Um, I just didn't used to get it. But recently, um, I've begun to really like it because I think I'm becoming a Christian. I was like, sorry, am I still at Spring Harvest? What, what's, explain, what? what, what? <laughs> and and he, he started to, to share a bit more um, and, and he was talking about how he'd uh, had a conversation with a, a teaching assistant who happens to attend our church here um, and, and how he'd, he'd heard her talk about Easter a little bit and ever since he'd been pondering on this and decided he wanted to become a Christian. Next week I brought him a, a pack with a Bible and some new Christians resources to, to help him think about praying and, and that kind of thing and I was like this that doesn't tend to happen very often because in a school in in uh, in 2019 there are certain restrictions where you can't just go around firing the gospel and commanding an altar appeal um because that's just not professional it's not what you do um and but but yeah he was exploring this and it was like that expectation and that seeking more of God I was seeing and I was I was absolutely buzzing from it because I'm, I'm probably guilty of this in myself, uh, and I think a lot, of, a lot of people perhaps are, that we have this slightly messed up view of where God is. Okay, um, And I've, I've used a quote in a lot of the talks I've done about our work with the Schools Worker Trust um, by a girl called Elizabeth, who's eight years old. Um, she's not churched. Um, Elizabeth says this, I am looking for God because I want him in my life. I don't know where he is, but he might be on a cloud. That's Elizabeth, aged eight years old, um, sharing, um, sharing some, some, some deep thoughts there, I think. Um, it's something that I, I've looked back in history, and this idea of, of God being far distant, far away, from what I can see, started in around 300 BC. Um, there was a, a philosopher called Epicurus who said uh, he was... He was he was fine with the idea that there's a God um, who exists and put the world into being. Lovely, great, wind it up and let it go was kind of his mentality. It was like um, Epicureanism, as it began to be called, was that uh, it was a real attack on divine intervention. The idea that God would be involved in our here and now was just dismissed as like this, this sort of weird superstitious thing. And it, Epicureanism kind of came back a bit in the Enlightenment um, a few hundred years ago, and I, I think is really prevalent in the Western church today. You see, I think that when we, when we worship, so often we lose sight of the view of God that we really should have. Sometimes when we're worshipping, it's like we worship a God who is represented more like this picture... Um, of a surveillance God looking in from a hidden place far away that we'll never find, um, than this picture of a God who is so present with us, walking with us, 
there in the moment, actually here with us in the here and now. We talk about God manifesting his presence, manifesting his Holy Spirit being with us. Um, when, I was, when I was younger in school, one of the, area, the few areas that I, I did shine in was maths. And the thing with maths is, if you're good at maths, you, you kind of have to muddle around with people who are good at everything. Um, and people who had this extensive vocabulary, um, and you kind of end up having to pretend that you're as smart as them in all sorts of other areas. And I, I, used to, I got into this habit of using words that I had no idea what they meant. Of using words that I'd, I'd heard in context, I could use them in context, they sort of made sense, um, but I never really gave a thought to what they mean. Manifestation is one of those words. So I looked it up, and I looked up what it, what it means for something to be manifest. Manifest means a clear or obvious to the eye or mind. To show, demonstrate, become apparent through the appearance of symptoms, to be evidence of or to prove something. And it actually comes very close to another word that we have in our vocabulary, which is manifesto. Very, very similar word. Looked up the meaning for that as well. Um, A manifesto is a public declaration of policy or aims, especially one issued before an election by a political party or candidate. And so you, you, you hear this idea of a manifesto and the talk, the talk of manifestations of God and that kind of thing. And, and I begin to wonder, what is, if, if you were to find somewhere in scripture, what would be Jesus's manifesto for his ministry? And, and scholars have, you know, scouted around a little bit in the text. And, and, and one of the, the most obvious places, I think, is uh, early on in Luke's gospel, um, where Jesus is in the temple and he's sharing with some elders. And he opens up the scriptures at Isaiah and he says, the spirit of the Lord is on me. Because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor, he has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour. That's Jesus' manifesto, um, his, his statement of what his ministry was, was going to be about, what he was there to achieve in his saving ministry. And, and I, I love the, the way that Luke um, quotes this word for word um, as, as a way of kind of summarising what Luke was commissioned to do, to report on this, the ministry of, of Jesus. Uh, and and I, I think that these words... <laughs> so accurately describe what Jesus is about. Um, You know, Jesus identifies himself as the subject of Isaiah's prophetic word. Um, my, My study Bible words it like this. It says, this ministry will be uniquely marked by the presence of the Spirit as prophetically foretold. I can't word it any better than that. Um, so, so, yeah, I thought I'd just read it because it's good. And in 2019, though, in the year 2019... Who is commissioned to carry on this ministry of Jesus? Us. Correct. Well done, Phil. Phil put his hand up. Very good. Um, That's who it is. A ministry that is uniquely marked by the presence of the Spirit as prophetically foretold. 
That should be our experience. That should be what we are seeking. That is the manifesto of Jesus fulfilled through us day after day. We should be seeking and seeing manifestations of the Holy Spirit and praying for that with every ounce of our being. Look around you, Christchurch. The world needs a manifesto like that, right? Yeah. it's, It's not the manifesto of a political party or a candidate. It is the manifesto of the King of Kings. See, in the context of a a nice uh, chunk of teaching around worries and struggles of today and tomorrow and things like that, a chapter before all the ask, seek, and knock stuff, Jesus pulls out one of the most famous verses in the whole Bible. First, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. That's a big deal. It's the first thing that Jesus taught us to pray in the Lord's Prayer. He he said we we should pray, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as in heaven. It's a huge deal. A large part of that is what it means for us to seek out the manifestations, the manifesto of our righteous king. Being actually put into practice through manifestations of the Holy Spirit. We're told to seek First, that word first in the, in, the, in the ancient language is the word proton. Now, you may have learned in school that a proton is the subatomic particle that's at the, uh, Andrea's shaking her head, that's at the, it's Andrea, it's the subatomic particle that's at the centre of the nucleus of an atom, right at the middle, right at the core, it influences everything of the rest of that particle. You knew that, I know, it's fine. Um, As churches of all sorts of denominations, up and down the country, right around the world, we're praying that prayer of thy kingdom come, your kingdom come. It needs to be at the very centre of everything we are, everything that we are, all that we do. The idea of seeking God's kingdom, the king's domain, the domain of the king of kings, everything that he owns, everything that responds to his authority, everything that is of the kingdom of God. Our seeking of the manifestations of the kingdom through the Holy Spirit should be at the very core of everything we are, all that we do, the nucleus of our lives, seeking and expecting more from the Holy Spirit than we could ever ask or imagine. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, come, Holy Spirit. We pray that your kingdom would come. That here in this place, amongst us right now, we would have a sense of your presence, of your will being done on earth as in heaven. Lord, would you speak to our hearts? Give us a renewed longing to seek you to seek your goodness, 
to seek seeing you at work in the world, in, in our lives. Come, Holy Spirit. I think that there's perhaps some people here who are, in a way, hesitant to ask, seek, and knock. Um, the, perhaps that's come from a occasion or a situation of feeling let down by God. And that's okay to admit that. An occasion perhaps where you've asked or you've sought God in a certain situation or prayer and it's just not gone how you how you hoped you don't hear it said very often that God's let us down but that can be how it feels sometimes for some people for a lot of us but I, I believe that God wants you to hear that God responds to honest pain much more than empty praise for you to do whatever it, whatever it takes to bring yourself back to that place of seeking God, seeking what he has for you now, seeking his will for you, seeking his manifest presence. For others, it, it could be that... Um, it could be a sense or a feeling of um, uh, this isn't for me. Uh, you know, it's it's not my thing. I'm I'm not I'm not that person that God wants to do this with. Almost like a sense of not feeling like you've got permission to move in God's spirit in this way for whatever limitations. You think about the idea of knocking on a door. There's a lot of doors in the world that don't open to us. A lot of doors where access is restricted, where we don't have permission to go in. And that's kind of sensible because there's a lot of things behind doors that any old mug shouldn't really get near. Um, but the presence of God, we have permission to go through that door. Every one of us, when we come to him, we acknowledge that we aren't worthy, but we can come. Just come to him. Seek him. Knock We're going to continue to, to worship, and there'll be, a, there'll be some people over to, to this side um, ready to, to pray with anyone that's felt stirred at all by this idea of seeking God. Anyone who's felt stirred at all by a longing to see the manifesto of Jesus at work in their lives. Anyone who's perhaps feeling God speaking to them in a particular way this morning. 
so as we just continue to bring our whole selves before him. Asking that we would see and seek a manifestation of his spirit in our lives. We just pour it all out. Pour it all out in the King of Kings. Whose kingdom is at the core of everything we are.